0: There and welcome to Pivotal Film. I am Tom Nolan and I'm Mario Ponzio. And we are still deep within the quarantine, the social distancing,
1: although we got physical a, distancing. We got a phase, a four phase plan today, Mario. We but only a, the first phase. I don't know. What do you, what, does, do you think phase one includes, includes podcasting or no? Um, I'd say no.
0: I, we might need clarification, we no, might we'll, need to, we'll to call, we'll feel. Call. File a, a, an appeal for that. Yeah, we'll have to go through the courts. I mean, if we actually made money off of this, that would be a legitimate question. But
1: we don't. <laughs> it's just yeah, it's not worth that
0: either of us it's getting sick. Just... If we we're making money off, of, if we we're making money off of this though, I wonder if like we'd actually have to legitimately file an appeal for this. Like to be like, like, are we are we, are we level two essential?
1: I don't know. If if we That's... had no, if we had no, oh, spectators every week.
0: Well, that's going to be weird, though, is when we are face-to-face again, I think every 12 minutes, one of us will just stop talking and tap our ear. <laughs> and the yeah. other person will be like, what are you doing?
1: Yeah, or one of us will just freeze and be like, oh, no, what are you doing? Um, so we're going to talk. We're going to – we have a, a, a big packed show today. We have a guest today. We're going to talk about a, a crazy town movie. Um, do you have thoughts, Mario? Because you always start you, – you always – jump all over this stuff, but it was big news this week about the Oscar changes and also the weirdo AMC Universal fight that is just pointless
0: and dumb um, uh, happening. So somebody asked me earlier um, on a walk about my opinion on the Oscar changes, like if they're allowing streaming films in and like what my thoughts of that were. and My thoughts on that were like, yeah, of course. Like, fuck it. I don't give a shit. I think these are... Tr- rules about having to screen in LA for a week are, are ridiculous. Like uh, now they're expanding it to six different cities after, you know, quarantines lifted. If you know, if movie theaters reopen, they can film in, uh, they could show, I think in Chicago, New York, Atlanta, Miami, Atlanta, Miami's one of them. Miami was a weird choice. Um, and a couple others. Well, I, I like how but-
1: they're, they're major Southern cities. And then also Chicago.
0: Yeah, I gave like zero shits about that because I personally think from the very beginning, anyway. if a film, yeah. a film is a film is a film mm-hmm. like. Sh- they should all be eligible uh, if they're released in the calendar year, What do they? Think it, any methodology.
1: I think it gives a lot of leeway to some of the smaller films that we're kind of waiting on to be to feel comfortable releasing now to kind of to to avoid the glut that's going to come in, like, sept- September, October, and to still get, like, Oscar consideration.
0: I wonder if this is, um, does this mean Bad Education's eligible? When did Bad Education release? But it ha- yeah, I guess Bad Education would be eligible, though, it right? It had to have had,
1: uh, a s a, 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 like, a, a scheduled actual oh, did, theatrical that, release.
0: Did it have to? Okay, I didn't know that. Um, but I don't give a shit about that. I think that rule was stupid in the first place. I'm excited about the 60% rule, the predominant rule for scores. That's a nice change. Well, you
1: never answered my text about that. Who does that help besides, like, Johnny Greenwood five years ago?
0: I think I think there will be instances. I can't name anything off the top of my head, but there's going to be instances of film scores being deemed disqualified. And, mm. you know, I come up with a list that would take me a second to research, but I'm just not going to. It's because fine. Whatever. Uh, there's definitely been examples of film scores disqualified in the past. And there's a big example of a score recently. Um I need to look this up now. But like there are there have been scores in the past. The thing that I will say um that really upsets me though is the combination of the sound categories. Why? Um, I don't it's just this is I have always been um, so weird. Examples were like Captain. Uh, no, right, I do um, Yeah, a hidden life from last year was disqualified. Hmm. For is the most recent example. Score. Um, oh, the big one, Mandy. Mandy got disqualified. Ah, uh, Mandy was great. Why? Yeah. See, um, I don't remember the rule for Mandy being disqualified.
1: I mean, I don't think uh, he was going to get nominated. For I think Mandy. it's
0: because they sampled. It's because, oh, it's because it didn't have the, the qualifying one, run. It's actually the reason why it got disqualified. Ugh. But
1: mm, Mandy's great. I guess that,
0: that wouldn't be an example. But there have been film scores before that have been disqualified. Um, well, the famous one is like oh, There Will Be Blood didn't even get nominated, right? Yeah. Um, What's it Got disqualified. Um, Max Riker's score for... Oh, for Ad Astra. Um, for Ad Astra, I got disqualified. Yeah. And that because of it was like because of some sampling um so there's examples every year and, and it's nice that now it only has to be like 60 percent mm-hmm. um the sound category mixing really bugs the shit out of me because like, i've always been of the mind and you know the, the good argument is obviously representation um given the the vast shitness that is the film academy in general <laughs> but um you know having a best actor and best actress category is nonsense to me still um uh, like I do it just because it's like like we do in our pivotal film awards, just because it is the thing that's been done. Yeah, yeah. but I'd much rather like see best leading performance and best supporting performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't see the purpose to best original song has a like over the two sound categories because a so- a single song doesn't present anything to the film that you know the two different categories of sound do, uh, and I understand the reason they exist. And I don't begrudge their existence because they exist because they need the ratings from the live performances. Mm-hmm. Sound mixing and sound editing are two vastly different things, though. You have, like, the dolly effect the sound effects aspects of um, sound editing. You know, the actual kind of meat and potato vision, like, what, what people would see as the visual effects, like, that's what sound editing's for. And, you know, sound mixing is the equalization of all those sounds, putting everything together. Like, those are two vastly different things, and now you're just kind of, Decontextualizing everything and just putting it under one veil. Personally, I would keep them both of them separated and maybe just toss them into the technical Oscars if you're going to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's going to happen eventually. I think eventually you're going to see the Oscars reduced to like the only technical categories you'll see are cinematography and editing.
1: Well, that's. I mean, the weird thing about it is, and I think this can extend. We can like transition also into the weirdo AMC Universal thing. Is that like I don't even really care if they have Oscars anymore. Like. I like the Oscars and I've paid attention to the Oscars my whole life, but if they stopped doing Oscars, I'd be like, all right, you know, that's whatever. It's not like the end of the world. I, I feel the same way about this this AMC Universal thing. Like The, the idea that AMC is going to stop showing Universal movies is like the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my whole life because half of the movies that are going to actually make theaters money and movie theaters, for however cool I think they are, are proving themselves to be wholly unnecessary institutions. So and also it's, it's or like a, to the a the point traditional the traditional multiplex is not necessary. So if you're not necessary, you can't say, oh, I'm not gonna play movies that are gonna make me for a minute more necessary. You and can't replace those. Has, Go ahead. Sorry. I think
0: it's well, I think it's also funny is has these um cinema chains start trying to like pull their muscle eventually and you know so come to antitrust laws but they always win their antitrust fights has seen through kind of their winning over um, copyright tenure it's something a studio like Disney is eventually going to be like well then fuck it we'll just open up our own cinemas well yeah
1: I mean what would stop (laughs) Universal what's Universal I forget what company owns Universal Comcast Universal from just buying AMC Just buy them, and they could show whatever the hell they want. They could cut deals with all the other distributors, and they could just show their own movies forever. Like, that's not a thing. Maybe that's what they're trying to do. I don't know. Yeah,
0: because it comes to a point where it's just like, you don't need the middleman anymore. I I bring up Disney, because Disney owns 40% of now the gross films, and it would be easy for them. They already have the infrastructure in place to begin a transition. You know, they already handle the the public facing um entertainment side of things it'd be easy for disney to just be like well we want to show what we want to show and we like to keep money so we're just going (laughs) to do this yeah i don't know
1: i don't know it was one of those it was one of those weird like really important movie i even had a dream about movie news which i'll post on twitter because i want to i want to write it out to make sure it, it works you know it's i get everything in there um the most, but it,
0: it's ex- it's just not it's not an actual real news. No, the most exciting thing for me this week, though, was the final release uh, has has re- just passed the one year anniversary of the Criterion Channel. Criterion, after saying from, since before their their introduction and for years saying that even a Filmstruct app was going to come, they have finally released an application on the Xbox One.
1: Yes, you were very excited
0: um I was just, but begru- you know, bemoaning it. Yes, last yesterday around six thirty, thinking about how I'm going to have to. Well, I want to watch some movies. I, I Timmy failure wasn't going to work, but the movie we're going to talk about in a bit, because Disney Plus was just having an outage in the area, and so I just want to watch something on Criterion. And I was like, I was begrudging how I was going to have to put the laptop in the HDMI cable, use the keyboard get my mouse and everything and then i was just like oh man i looked at my phone like i wish the app was around is there any dates on it and that's when i saw it i saw that on the 24th that had launched quietly you know it's it's still buggy it's its interface is is pretty pretty bad um compared to the regular one like online compare, yeah compared to the online one um even the online one is still Finicky, um, but compared to you know the interface you have with like Netflix or Amazon Prime, which I think are still also both. I think Disney Plus is the one that actually has the interface down the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, but typically, when you want to get to a search inquiry on Xbox, you press Y, and mm-hmm. almost every app universally is like press Y for so. And B, unsurprisingly, stands for go back one screen. Criterion decided that B stands for search. <laughs> and I think X is back. They got at least they got A down for confirm. I think X is back. I think and and B is like the search, um. And so it's real, real interesting. It's it, that part's real interesting. I'm sorry, Mario. And, and, it sounds terrible. And some of the films I was trying to, what was I trying to look up? I was trying to look up Nicholas Rogue yesterday films, um, and I think they maybe are still working on it because I. I typed in Nicholas, and instead of Nicholas, and today when I did his films popped up, but yesterday I put in Nicholas, and their collection on Nixon from uh, Tanner eighty eight, yeah, because they have like the entire Tanner eighty eight season in there, and Uh uh, what was Robert Altman's movie um, from the early eighties that starred Robert Altman's Nixon movie? Um, Oh, um, the Philip Baker Hall movie, Secret Hall, Secret, Secret Honor. Um, which was was that a TV movie? By the way, I don't think Does so. Um,
1: like a- I'm, not, I'm not sure actually. It was TV movie, but no, that's not just that's not. Um, oh, it feels X- like a TV movie. That's not an Xbox thing. That's a, a CriterionChannel.com thing. Like you can oh. type in, you can type in something you're looking for, and you won't find it, and then you'll look for it like another way. You'll just like scroll through something, and you be like, well, it's just right there, and there's a collection for it, and it just I don't know why it didn't come in
0: when, up when I typed it. But I'll say this. Since um since I found out it existed yesterday at eight, I have watched on the Criterion channel Ugetsu, Night and Fog, Black Narcissus, um, Bad Timing, The Thin and The Thin Blue Line. That's good. It's good slate. So so in in the span of twenty-four hours that I found out it existed, I have watched Eleven hours of the Criterion, uh, ten about eight nine hours of the Criterion Channel. You are living your best life now, Mario. Yeah, well, except for Night and Fog, I would never uh, important film. Nobody should ever watch Night and Fog. Was Night and Fog on the list on the Sight and Sound list? Do you think I would? I would have to assume not. It's a thirty three minute film, uh, documentary short. Um, have you heard of Night and Fog? No. Like, quickly, I'm just looking. Uh, at. So. It was a documentary short done by um, Alan Renace. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it took place uh, – uh, it takes place 10 years after the liberation of the um, German concentration camp. So you get a lot of lingering um, almost Terence Malick-esque color shots mm-hmm. uh, intermingled with um, stock footage – from the concentration camps themselves mm-hmm. and just very vividly showing like just the bodies in the piles burning mm-hmm. and uh, about the reuse of like oh the Germans like they were put as they're starting to lose the war they sent nothing to use like nothing and they show like the shoes and whatnot and you've seen that all before and then you see like this mangle of stuff on the ground and you're like what's that and it's like these are women's these are all the women's hair oh, they made these in the rugs Oh, this is their bones. They tried to make this into, I forgot, I was like mortar or whatnot. And then here's like, then they show like the bodies and they're like, they tried to make this into soap. Here's like, I, I don't need to see this, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. And then bad timing, less scarring, but you do see very quickly Art Garfunkel's penis. <laughs> Surprisingly, not a bad actor, though. I will give Art Garfunkel that. Not, not, not Nicholas right. Rogue's great movie. Uh, not, not, not one of his... Uh, and I like Nicholas rogue, but um, very, it's, it's definitely kind of a miss on his part. Very
1: honestly, I thought you were going to say not a bad penis. That's what I thought you
0: were going to say. I couldn't, I couldn't tell. Um, I, uh, from, from the quick image I saw, I do believe that the, um, the lower parts of Art Garfunkel are more trimmed than the... Uh, top parts of our car so okay i guess that would be uh well, advantage because of uh, but there is there no. is i will say this though there's one moment in bad timing where there's a very kind of graphic visceral um sex scene on a flight of stairs and i looked up if there was a connection like it so feels similar to history the sex of violence. Scene from history of violence and nobody's ever mentioned it and i just wish like david cronenberg was on some sort of social media somewhere could just be like like, is this an influence or is it just like a really weird, like.
1: Maybe he's a listener. Maybe he's a listener, Mario. All right. Because um, of the way that this conversation has ended, I think we should transition into our, our main conversation first. And then we'll
0: go oh, we'll back finish and then on, we'll talk about. We'll, talk about we'll the, finish this, on, the, on the real shit in the real deep. On movie. the real
1: movie. All right. We will be right back uh, with
0: something. Something, something,
2: something.
1: All right. All right. So let's talk about House Mario. Oh yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. We have to introduce our guest back after after a six month hiatus.
3: Man, they start coming and they don't stop coming to go Smash Mouth. So I don't really know it's, how long. It's
1: oh been. man, that's like the first Smash Mouth <laughs> reference ever on I this think, show.
0: I think we're in. I think we're in August now, right? So August. It's August.
1: Yeah, we've just um, with this weird quarantine time, you just kind of skip. You skip months sometimes, and it's then you fun. go backwards. But we are joined by Chris Gardner from like our it. our Joker episode Fame.
3: Back um, by popular demand, I'm sure.
1: Back by popular demand. That is a popular episode.
0: Is that a super nut yeah. I see you drinking? It, hell yeah, it is. Nice.
1: Good I can catch. identify
0: beers by their cans. I'm drinking a Bonin Vive. What is that? Spike Seltzer. It's a Spike Seltzer.
1: Oh, did you just have some left? Or mm-hmm. Did you buy that on purpose? I just,
0: I just had some left. I did not buy it on purpose. Good. I mean, I bought it on purpose when buzzed on Sunday. <laughs> respect that. I don't. I'm really disappointed <laughs> in myself. <laughs>
1: but we brought chris here today cuz we um wanted to talk something sad happened as i mean a lot of sad things are happening uh but we lost one of our one of our great directors um in april yeah april 10th april did. 10th um He's nobuhaku Haku obayashi um and his most famous film arguably um i actually don't know if anyone would argue that is uh the impossible to describe but we're going to do our best house
2: I see in your eyes where tomorrow is high that- ああ。<笑>
3: Hassa,
1: No, no, no. You have to just say it like the guy. Oh, yeah. Like the oh. watermelon salesman. <laughs> Hose. All right, Mario. Give us a quick rundown on what the hell is
0: going on in-house. So, in Japan, uh, modern-day Japan, as it were, in 1977, uh, a young girl, uh, gorgeous, is, is planning a vacation um, for summer with her friends. Um She's, but she, no, actually, with her father initially, uh, who's you know famous for scoring uh, film scores. Um, <laughs> he and all the all of her friends love him for that, by the way, which I which I found particularly.
1: Well, one thing, just to interrupt real quick, I, I got I couldn't keep track early in the movie of which guy the Oswald girls Rosen. loved. Right. No, of of whether or not they love Gorgeous's dad or Mister Togo. They seem they I think they have... loved them both. I think they loved them both, too. But it, yeah. it was hard to keep track of who they were talking about in terms of which man they loved.
3: Also, they looked very similar. Yes. They had similar haircuts. Maybe that's what they
1: It did. was nice when they stopped everything just to, you know, show their faces and put um, names to them while they gave thumbs up and, like, turned <laughs> dramatically to the camera. That was <laughs> really actually was... very helpful.
3: That was the very helpful. quality li- of life.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyways, her father returns home from Italy uh, with uh, a new flame, who's uh, going to the new stepmother? Actually, um, you know, gorgeous is upset because her mother had died some years earlier, uh, and she decides to write a letter to her long lost aunt um, to come visit her for the summer instead. Uh, so her aunt, of course, says, "Hey, yeah, of course, come." So her and her six friends decide to go to her long not really long lost, but aunt's house uh, for summer vacation. And they do so um, in the yellow submarine, apparently. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And um, as they get to the house, they uh, slowly are eaten by the house uh, because uh, Gorgeous's aunt has um, been trying to maintain life and also dispel sort of the same sort of torture she had. From uh, her long lost love, who died in World War II and never came home, and thus she was never able to fulfill her necessity to become a bride, um, she she consumes these girls one by one, um, often through the manifestation of Blanche, her her white cat with neon green eyes. Uh, the girls. Pew, pew fitfully try to escape the house, um, but are unsuccessful. They 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 wish for they initially don't believe anything's going on, and eventually they wish for the help of Mister Togo, but he's too busy becoming a bunch of bananas. Um, sure? uh, eventually, uh, everyone in the house is consumed. Um, Gorgeous is kind of left to take the place of the ant. Uh, maybe this weird manifestation of both Gorgeous and the ant, um, and her stepmother comes to visit her as well at the house. uh, And she is lit on fire by electricity. The end. That was the end. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it sure was. (laughs) So
1: I had... It's funny because House is like one of the famous... Maybe it's not famous. It's one of like the really memorable Criterion editions. I think. From a cover standpoint? Because of the cover. So they don't make a poster out of every cover and they don't make a t-shirt out of every cover. But there's like a house poster and there's a house t-shirt. Maybe there's even a tote bag. But like House is one of the first movies that you kind of, you know, when you're flipping through the catalog and you're just like looking at this and you're like, what is this? Then you read the description and you're just like, what the hell movie
0: is this about? But I never got around to seeing it. I would say It, Videodrome, Naked Lunch, Battle of Algiers, and Salo are probably the most recognizable for me um, in terms of Criterion covers. Mm. And and actually, there's a funny... You, you ever see those episodes of, like, In the Criterion Closet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's an episode where Bill Hader goes in there and, like, slowly unveils his house shirt. <laughs> oh, nice. Very good. After grabbing a copy of House. Um, and then says Antichrist is a
1: great date movie. It is and antichrist is forever (laughs) i was very one of the funny things about that jeff dyer book on stalker is that he like spends um he has these really extensive footnotes um that are just kind of like a second kind of part of the book and he spends like four whole pages in a footnote just tearing antichrist apart um because he dedicated... That's, that's a weird choice. Well, because he dedicated... Gus Van, or, or Van Zandt. Because Lars von Trier dedicated it to um, Tarkovsky. And he's like oh, looking he? for Tarkovsky-y things in
0: in uh, Antichrist. But that's, a weird, that's kind of a weird choice to dedicate to Tarkovsky. I would have assumed like Melancholia would be dedicated to Tarkovsky over Antichrist. But Antichrist
1: was first, so he did it. Fair enough. So he
0: did it. Um but uh, so
1: I had never seen House Mario. Had you have you, had you ever seen House? No, uh, Chris, as a matter of
3: fact, had you for seen years, house? I, yeah. Sorry. I had never even heard of it until you mentioned it. So I'm glad that we're all on the same level here.
0: <laughs> yeah, for years I had thought the critically acclaimed House that was so beloved, um, not necessarily as a midnight cinema, but it's kind of like this this piece of like art house film was uh, the 1986 William Katz, uh, Richard Mull, George Went horror movie House. Directed by Steve Miner. Um, I, don't think, I never not. saw that. It's, it's it's on YouTube. It's actually pretty good. I watched it again today to see if it didn't hold up, and it's still it's a good Tales from the Crypt episode.
2: Version.
0: So, what did everyone think? What was everyone's first impression
1: of House?
3: The uh, right at the beginning where it says movie before it says House. <laughs> I'm like, all right, here we go. <laughs> it gave me a good impression, and I was right. Yeah. Fucking buckwise. I, I think the uh one of my favorite aspects of it is like this
1: it's not Japanese pop like power pop music, it's I think American
3: it pop music. It like American hippie ish Western music. But like it's like some folky kind of music. But also like there was some synth
0: in there. Yeah, it was really it was it's, really kind of an amazing use of of that stuff. It really mm. that music really especially the score really reminds me of a michael Giacconi Giacconi music uh score like um what did he do like up and everything like the 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 marriage song in up has a very oh, similar yeah, yeah, tempo yeah, yeah, yeah. to the beginning that 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 there's a very similar tempo um my initial impressions were. Uh, it, it's, it's such a maximalist piece and it's interesting yeah. um, that in the beginning Obayashi like very dedicatedly like does a 4-3 ratio, like aspect ratio, keeps the film there and slowly transitions to the wider aspect uh-huh. by like seamlessly combining it just to show like everything's done with a serious and like actual intent like it's not sort of this film school mistake um, it loses me then for like a good 40 minutes, uh <laughs> like because he kind of like he still has those moments of like real interesting visuals and and chroma key um and and film overlay but then it just kind of it slows down a lot in terms of that and it isn't until that last like 40 minutes especially like coming Mm -hmm. from around the piano scene after that it really kind of builds upon everything to to weave everything together and that's when it like really gets me into the back into the film but it kind of even though it's still very maximalist and and absurdist, it it doesn't do so with the same sort of panache for a long time. It ends up feeling more like a... It ends up feeling more like a a midnight movie for a good 40 minutes. Like even during the train sequence and whatnot or the laughing Mm -hmm. watermelon as before they're going to the house. Um, (laughs) It isn't until that last like 40 minutes where kind of things weave together well. And it becomes less of... A, a B kind of Sam Raimi, you know, what Sam Raimi would do three, four years later with Evil Dead and kind of comes into its own is actually like somebody who clearly knows the techniques of what they're doing and is applying everything to kind of like do this very, you know, over the top story. How about you Tom?
1: Um, yeah, it's funny. Uh, Cause I, I think a lot of the maximalist stuff that you kind of had a, that might have been like film schooly or whatever. I always found, and especially in the first forty minutes, I, I, I assumed it was purposeful. I assumed he wasn't making a mistake, a mistake. so I assumed that like, you know, um, when the new mom shows up, and she's like all in slow motion. And it just has that, like, he introduces that really slow, like, cello. You have everything's, like, blowing in the breeze. And then, like, she gives her her scarf. And then, like, she puts it on. That's blowing. And it's just, like, it's so goofy. But it's also really, um, I don't know. There's, like, a, a portentousness to it but I don't know if that comes from just like knowing what the movie is about. Like if I had seen it in 1977 at like a midnight screening at like a
0: New York city art house, would I have felt
1: the same way about it? Um, you wouldn't
0: have, cause I didn't get distribution rights <laughs> until like 2009. Oh, there, okay. There you go. Um,
1: <laughs> but yeah, I just, I it felt really cool. And I, we talked a, a couple of weeks ago about like Tarkovsky and like how that was, um, you know, was helpful to think about that stuff. I found this really entertaining because like i didn't have to think about anything it was like the antithesis of like my life and everything i had watched like up to a certain point you know what i mean like i had i i don't watch a lot of these movies so it wasn't one of those things i didn't have anything to like to base it on i I don't i don't really love the sam raimi stuff like all that much i actually found this a much more honest expression of something than like the evil dead movies and i know that might be that might be sacrilege to say but you know sorry well no
0: i, I don't think i don't think it was making I, my contention with it during like the first 40 minutes wasn't necessarily making a mistake it was more that kind of like pulled back after a while on, on what it was doing and it felt like it was becoming more of like oh here's you know actors in front of a matte painting very purposely shown yeah. matte painting here's mm. you know obviously double exposed film um and it wasn't doing it enough, you know, mm. to the degree that that it feels like Obi intent was. And it wasn't until things really kind of tumbled down that hill that it, that it really mm. captured. And I think maybe, I mean, I I, I think that's purposeful because I think the film's final act works a lot less well um, for escalating action if it's constantly yeah uh, this this acid. Trip meets uh, Harold Lloyd movie. <laughs> Go ahead, Chris.
3: Yeah, well, I think at at first, like we said, right where like the beginning, where he says like house, and then it's like there's weird shots of like people, like the smaller frames and like the larger frames, and like on the train where they're zooming in on the cat, and then they're zooming back out, and like you said with the this sh- shot where everyone's like, "This is my name. This yeah, is yeah. my name. Let's do some some cute poses that show me my one personality trait." <laughs> I'm like, okay, this it's pretty much all laid out here for me what this movie is, huh? It's just going to be, like you said, like an acid trip for the next, like, hour and a half. I'm not going to understand what's happening. and I'm okay with that because I'm just enjoying it. But I do actually really appreciate, like you're saying, Mario, where it just kind of lays back in the middle there. And it's like, okay, but now we're just kind of ground it in a much more, like, actually human experience, except for when, you know, heads are found in wells and then <laughs> people are disappearing through the refrigerators and things of that nature but I think it, it definitely makes the ending more palatable because now you're back in like this craziness I'm like okay I'm, I'm with it now as opposed to being where I was before I'm just kind of like overwhelmed by all the wacky adventures that are happening right now you know
0: I think we, did we lose Tom oh we might have no I'm here he's frozen okay, okay you, you, your, your image froze so. you guys are both frozen universe. you're like this you're like this
2: Oh,
1: okay, great. It's weird that like I'll freeze on your end, and I won't know, and then you'll freeze on my end, and you won't know.
0: Well, it's not like we freeze in real life.
1: Well, I don't know that. You don't know uh, that. Yeah. No one's no one's there to prove that.
0: <laughs> That's true. Let's start a new conspiracy theory so we can get stop talking about all the the current conspiracy theories. I find I find the history of this film interesting. This was um, made in response, actually, to the blockbuster. Success of, of Jaws and um, Toho wanted to make a film that told like a very minimal story, um, but with very kind of high visuals or very kind of uh, simple story, but done with um, like a larger budget um, overlay. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, parts of this kind of feel as though they fly almost in the face of that, like yeah. intentionally sort of mock that. Um, to a degree. Uh, I know obi when he said he made this, he made this to be kind of a ghost story told from the perspective of a child. Um, I think right after this, I watched Ugetsu and Ugetsu was kind of telling a similar sort of um, ghost ghostly story um, with the purview of kind of like revenge and misery, but it's told in a much more grounded and extremely boring way. Um, <laughs> um, and I think that predates it only by about About 15 years but you know so he says he wants to do with more childlike wonder and he adds a psychedelic element mixed with sort of um the 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 fantasticalness of like a of a mailer um you know uh, man on the moon um or harold lloyd like mixing those sort of film techniques and those those fantastical elements Uh, um but it feels like some of it's like an an indirect like flagellation of uh what the Hollywood system was starting or what the film system in general was starting to do and kind of like going over the top with the visuals because it feels as though like it, it purposefully makes a mockery of that, especially near the end. It, it feels like it's, it's making fun of like these high stakes or these high, high special effects scenes. Like the piano scene looks great fully, but when you see the floating body parts in chroma key, it it's feels as though it's being purposely mocked. I
1: found that interesting. Yeah. Um, it's weird because, like, the piano scene. I don't know. Is that, like, the most famous scene? Uh, I didn't do any research. I'm assuming it's, the, it's like, that the would have signature to, yeah, scene. that would have to be. That would yeah. have to
0: be the most famous scene. What? It was impactful. <laughs> was for, the least. It was for her, too. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> yeah. the,
1: the funny thing about the piano scene is that, like, so she, it, the piano eats her hand. And then she's and her, her fingers first. her fingers and yeah. then her hand, and she's scared, and she yells, and then um then the piano eats her, and then it like chops off her arm and it flies into the fishbowl and stuff like that, but then there's that really mm. extended like dance sequence where like it's <laughs> <laughs> and they're showing like you know the the crayon-looking outline body parts so you have, like, a stomach and, like, a leg and, like, a couple of other things and <laughs> while the piano's going crazy. But then they show, like, the girl... Lots, like,
3: lots of boobs, too. <laughs> and, yeah, the piano's, like, fucking her at one point. But then they show... Yeah,
1: they, yeah exactly. Because they, when they show her, like, in the mouth of it, like, she's, like, laughing.
3: Yeah, and you she's know like, oh, I mean? that's naughty. And I'm
1: like, dude, what is happening? And, and that's, I think, one of the... I, one of the really crazy things about it is like, you have this gorgeous character who's taking everything so seriously and it's really hard to not use like typical, like um, uh critical standards when you're looking at this stuff. Um, So I'm trying not to read too much into like, well, it's her aunt's house and like, there's all this. So like she should be taking it more seriously and just kind of like to sit back and like let the insanity, like when, my favorite scene of the movie is when Gorgeous is sitting in front of that mirror for a long time, and she's and then her face starts to fall off, and it's just like the I was like, that is awesome, hell yeah, that was awesome. But there's this weird like everyone's just kind of having fun, you know what I mean? Like they're even though there's like terrible things happening, it's
0: just a good time. Are they? I, I don't know. if Fantasy is, and I, I find that kind of like an, mm. a, a something that carries throughout the film, and and some of like the more intensive critiques of this film, which I don't necessarily agree with, say it's like a really cry out, early cry out of like uh, feminism in film and Japanese cinema, you know, saying because of like, all food. these are all, no, they're, they're all un... no, they're all unmarried women who desperately are trying to be, seek. you know, the unmarried women who are being consumed uh, because of the fact they haven't been married and all they care about is being saved by a man. Mm-hmm. And that when mm-hmm. faced with this horrible situations, like fantasy, who ends up being like the final girl, Of Mm -hmm. the film. Um, is the only one who initially believes any of it or really sees any of it going on. Like, she's the one that sees Max's head, which ends up being the watermelon. She's the one that sees um, Melody get consumed by the piano. Um, and it's so like this, this indifference to um, like some of the critical uh, applications of this have said, like, it's like the indifference to each other and more like this global looking out for a man to kind of like save them. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I do think there's, can you hear us still, Tom? Yeah. 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 Okay. You're frozen. Your image is frozen. So you're frozen time. here too. Um, it looks okay. like you're singing um, forever. <laughs> it looks like you're just like falling like asleep this. or about ready to sneeze. Um, so so I don't necessarily think that's, that's, I don't think that's the intention. I don't feel like that's the intention. Um, but it is interesting that like there is this consistency. Um, in terms, of narrative consistency in, in front of the craziness. That Melody is consistently the, not Melody, uh, fantasy is consistently the one that kind of initially sees it, even though she's not the main character. Um, and she's the one who in the end is the last girl kind of standing. Yeah. Um, I found that, and I, I find, that's what I find interesting about this. It often, the film often makes these moments to ground itself and wink to its audience that it knows exactly what it's doing. While also making these like nar- not narrative but these Ooh. technical construction mistakes like um during the flashback sequence when Gorge is kind of like relaying the story of aunt and her her dead uh fiance um the camera switches from them on the train to them on the bus, but the story never there's no like stutter in the story you know it's it's it's, it's, it's it has it's as though they they've switched locations and you never even notice it. But um, that's a common kind of like mistake in films, but that like all that feels so intentional here. And it's it's curious to me that it feels like there's so many like almost intentional mistakes in a film that you could tell is so deliberately set out that there had to be such like a precise vision because you know during during production he couldn't have done eighty percent of the stuff that you see in this film because that's to all be done in post. Right.
1: So what would be the intention of the intentional mistakes?
0: That's the thing. I don't, I don't know. It's it's a hard film to get a read on it. Um, I think it's
3: it's interesting to kind of consider that because like you were saying, like it kind of is like it's, it seems like it's winking at you a lot, and it feels like it's kind of like a like how Scream is like lampooning like the horror genre, but this is like before a lot of that would be popularized. If I'm not mistaken, I don't really know the
0: chronology yeah, of a lot of horror. see films. like meta horror? You want to see major meta horror until I think. New Nightmare might be the first major Hollywood release that's sort of a meta horror. You'd see some examples of it in um, some of the lower level slasher films of the early 80s, like Student Bodies. Um, But in terms of this kind of like meta horror, it's definitely a meta horror. Yeah, it was
3: like ahead of the time, really. But it's.
0: Yeah, but it's funny because it it's it, it, I don't even know if I could call it meta horror because it's predating a lot of the tropes that would come. Right.
3: So I was just uh, going to say too, is like it's responding to things that haven't even like happened yet, which is like really interesting to me. It's like look like, like um what's your name? Mac, right? She's like, oh, she's really fat, you know, like all these, in all these movies. Like, oh, the fat girl goes first whatever. But she's, like, regular size person. She eats, she eats the donuts.
0: She eats donuts, okay? Yeah,
3: and that really seals the deal. But it's like, oh, she dies first, of course, but she's, like, not fat. And it's just, like, the whole thing is just conscious of tropes that had not even been invented yet in a way that's, like, amazingly uh, prescient.
0: Well, they're like the, the, blood, the blood fountains, you know? The blood yeah. fountains that you would see in Nightmare on Elm Street or Evil Dead or even in something like The Shining three years later. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's
3: just like people saw that and like, we're going to do this, but for real and unironically <laughs> this time. Yeah.
1: Well, that's, I mean, the, one of the things that I thought about the whole time was, uh, well, especially in relation to the piano, and I could be wrong about this, but like there's a really strong uh, Unchin Andalu feeling I got from like the relationship of the piano. You know what I mean? Like there's no one's dragging. They're not putting dead donkeys on the piano here, but I wonder if, if his, or this film's kind of predating some of, or kind of pre-establishing some of the tropes that would, that would arise in like meta horror is because he was ultimately making a comment on like, absurdist or surrealist films more so than he's making um and 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 because of all like horror movies traditionally are going to draw from like draw from a lot of those early Boonwell things um you know is 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 like Obeashi's kind of attachment to I like I don't know what his influences are you know what I mean I didn't do any research for this podcast because I'm a bad podcaster um that's true but like i don't know what any of his influences are but i wonder if he's attacking other things so like the jaws thing i think is interesting because i wasn't even thinking jaws i was thinking more art house like that he was kind of he was commenting on the absurdity of of, of art house cinema or something like that or even traditional japanese cinema because you brought up ugetsu if this is supposed to be just a ghost story i mean all of the great japanese filmmakers did ghost stories is he essentially saying in this ghost stories are stupid Here's how I can make like throw it in your face, and then modern horror movie makers were just like, "Well, that's a good model for like commenting on traditional horror tropes."
0: Or is it? It could also, in the same way, be like um, a criticism of the fact that like Toho wanted that response for a jab, for a Jaws um, style blockbuster, uh, you know, a simple story told in the grandiose way, but mm-hmm. they got Obiashu to write the story. Um, but didn't want him to direct it because was notably just at the time a commercial director. So like the Japanese film market was retracting, but their commercial market with the explosion of their economy in the 1970s, um, like the, the budget on commercials and commercial directors was exploding. And so he came from the commercial Did you, side you say
1: commercial things. directors were exploding?
0: Yes. Good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um I'm glad and, I stopped your your thing for that. <laughs> it was a different time, you know?
0: <laughs> and, but he, he um you know, a bunch of directors turned down, just wanted nothing to do with it. He asked to direct it himself, and Tohu, and I think, I think maybe his commercial studio, I don't know if they're the same, um, like contractually he wasn't allowed to. So I don't know if it's almost in the same way. It could also just be a complaint of him saying, like, look, I can do these things, and well, here. Well, don't you wish you had
1: watched, like, I mean, they have a bunch of his movies on Criterion. I wish I had had the time to watch a bunch of them and to see what his, like, he would do after this, like, where his style would go. Um, To the point where part of me also thinks that he was just, maybe he was just, like, messing around. You know what I mean? And he was just, like, trying to push... He Was trying to push this story like as far as he could push it. I mean, I think in a lot of ways he succeeded in well, doing I think,
0: that. I think the one interesting thing and the one like personal connection you can make to it is where he's doing that remembrance of um the the aunt's and story with, with her like lost love. And they talk about the Hiroshima and Nagasaki bombings and they say it looks like cotton looks candy, like cotton candy. <laughs> um, but like he was from hiroshima like obayashi was from Damn. hiroshima all of his fa- all of his friends died like he was one of the only people huh, because i think his family and him were one of the only people that survived it um i think he was maybe like four or five at the time when the bombings happened i believe um but just that response of saying you know it looked like Khan candy he was seven when the bombings happened um part of that response is, is still kind of like staying in that vein of like this childhood wonder like if, if a child had that sort of grasp of, of film and had the budget for that and had the ability to kind of like convey a story like that like is this the way they would do it you know it's so it's, it's interesting because there's a lot of ways do you, want you want to, me to go wake up this... one of my kids yeah just have them watch house yeah i, no. thought, of... <laughs> is this... I thought about it is this it's almost like you? And yeah, I, it's, it's all,
1: it's, <laughs> it seems so like for again and this is it's I, really I, innocuous yeah yeah this is the, kind of how I watched it like except for like um, or even the yeah except for like some of the, like the nudity like everything else is so weird that you're you can kind of justify oh, you're both frozen so you probably can't hear me we, no, we hear, hear hear no, okay, reason, good as it were. Great, so we're both we're all on the same page. Um, mm-hmm. It's so weird that you can kind of see a kid just kind of like brushing off like whatever horror tropes are contained there, and just being like, "That yeah. was weird."
0: Kind of well, it's, innocuous. It's, yeah. yeah, it's a it's a, UDI, it's a Looney Tep uh, Looney Tunes level of violence, and even the nudity yeah. is, even the nudity is non sexual. Like the most sexual part of it is yeah. is kung fu or underwear. Like obviously that's meant to like elicit something
1: but in reality like it's funny when she fights what was she fighting the sticks uh, like the, the stick the, bats? Were logs. she
3: was cutting the firewood Where's the, oh. the
1: the log the log bats that were just kind of like flying at her and then she, she did like sk- a triple front flip
3: or something and then her <laughs> pants
1: came off and well, that's was, our sequence is great but i was like when i was first watching it i was like what happened to her pants and then she like stuck her hand out and like they just landed on her thing and i was like oh yeah Good for good for them. And good for them for figuring the, out how to do that. The
3: funniest part of the movie was that scene where she's like, huh, must be an illusion. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> next scene. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? Well, I
1: had to watch the opening scene when they, like, get to the house. And they go into the house proper. And then, like, mm-hmm. it's the first time you see the chandeliers blink. And then, like, the chandelier falls and Kung Fu does Kung Fu to, like, save her friend from getting, like, hit with the shit, with the with the crystals. Yeah. For whatever reason, my Criterion channel, like, the player kept locking up on me, and it would oh. just start right at that scene. So I watched that over and over and over again. I love the idea that Kung Fu has her own song, and, like, her
3: <laughs> her first reaction to everything is to just do Kung Fu at it. Yeah, that was the best. She was the best character, I thought, because she was the only one who was, like, reliable, you know? Yeah. She was like... A, a doer. Everyone else was just a, a passive recipient. I feel. <laughs> I just wonder. Listen,
1: I also wonder how much Pro, reading. Pro Prof professor... had a
3: good Thelma element to
1: her. But how much reading could yeah. she possibly get, be getting done in Thelma. those under those right. circumstances? She was like, you know, the whole the walls are collapsing and like the floor is flooded and there's blood
3: yeah. flying out of that cat painting's mouth and she's like, I just got to read some more. <laughs> well, this book will hold <laughs> all the answers. Also, at the end, when Kung Fu's length flew out of the chandelier after she was eating and punched the cat in the face. Yeah, that was good. That was good. And they were like, we did it. <laughs> like, that's it? No. But also the scene you mentioned where, like the chandelier was falling, I had literally, like seemed to give me whiplash. I didn't know what was happening. It was hard. Some parts of this movie were hard to follow. But that's, I mean, one of the great things... But
1: about in a good way. It, yeah, no, absolutely. One of the great things about this movie is you can kind of see a little bit like how it influences like various people. Like, I don't know. Every time Kung Fu did anything, I was like, "I bet Quentin Tarantino loves this movie."
3: Oh yeah, that's... like loves this
1: movie. I bet he watched mm-hmm. it like a hundred times when he was making Kill Bill. Like every time mm-hmm. he went to film a fight scene, he was like, "You know what? I, I just better what go check Kung out... Fu. Do? <laughs> I better go check out the the Kung Fu scenes in the House real quick."
0: Just you know? Do you know actually who adores this movie? Oh, Who's that? He actually mentions that like it through proxy of Beetlejuice probably influenced him. David Lowry.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. I that makes sense actually. There's a lot of David Lowry coloring in like some of those outdoor scenes.
0: Yeah, that's true. Um
3: But yeah, it, it was like a, it was a visually um, enjoyable movie. It was good to look at, you know, all the environments were very colorful, you know, it wasn't like a drab Gray horror movie.
0: Oh no, there's nothing drab about this. No, yeah,
3: it was it popped. You know, it was it was zingy. It had some flavor to it. Well, it was
1: well. It was it was like professionally shot. So for a yeah. movie that seemed to use a lot of, um, just kind of primitive effects and things like that, it was you know it, there was some ex- excellently composed photography there.
3: Yeah, and like the sets and everything were very like um live it didn't feel like dislocated except for when it was like meant to except for when that skeleton was dancing that was i didn't
1: no, believe i didn't believe part. that for a second no <laughs> way all <the> time <laughs> no way that skeleton dances we <laughs> yeah house was
3: was an interesting movie
1: it is I'd it watch it again. I'd watch it
3: again under the
1: influence, if you know what I'm saying. House is one of those movies that you want to show people. Like, have you ever seen House? Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, they're 100% going to be like, no,
0: I have not. not- and then oh, you show, show them all six or seven seasons. Yeah. And they're like, <laughs> I didn't know you meant this. I have no, seen no, this. I have just seen in, this. <laughs> just did one scene. Or right, no, what you got to do is you got to be like, have you ever seen Satantago? Are you going to actually watch it on Canopy? Uh, yeah, that's the plan. You should watch it. Chris. You should watch it too. It's pretty short. It's seven and,
1: seven and a half hours long. It's Hungarian in black and white. <laughs> that's
3: you know I am Hungarian. At heart.
1: <gasps> are you really? Wait, are you no. actually Hungarian? No, oh, no, no, no.
3: No, that's a lie. But I can be for seven and a half hours. <laughs> I think what we found
1: out during this this period of of our life is that we're all Hungarian.
3: Mm-hmm. We're all bars, if you will.
1: So yeah, there's this movie by this Hungarian director called, um, his name is Bela Tarr, and the movie's called Sand and Tango, and it's just about this town, and it's mm-hmm. seven and a half hours long. It's apparently one of the great movies that was ever made. It's like the 35th best movie on the Sight and Sound list. Um,
3: but like legit seven and a half hours. Though. Legit seven and a half hours. Yeah. I have my things
1: since... <laughs> So did I. <laughs> Did, have you seen it? Yeah, have you yeah watched it? it. Yeah, I tricked. They had. I watched it yet. They had a copy of it mm-hmm. on four discs of, on DVD through, like the Weathersfield Library had it or something. Those double-sided mm-hmm. discs are, are. No, it was just like four regular discs.
3: That infamous cultural center of
1: Weathersfield, <laughs> Connecticut. Yeah, I don't know how they. I don't know why they have them. <laughs> But it's one of those things where, like, because of the quarantine, I'm just like, I'm assuming that when this stops that people aren't going to want to run out and see seven and a half hour Hungarian, like, films. I wonder if I could just keep this.
3: You probably can. I don't think they'll miss it.
1: Would they fault me if I was just like, nah, it's just mine. It's just mine.
0: Does it have that checkout slip on it? What do you mean, like a barcode? No, like the checkout slips, you know that they they had those the, that stamp they stamped. They do. It. Like we're oh, not. No, no, work... no, didn't. it
1: didn't. It did uh, not Damn, oh, thank you. We
0: re- re- do that with our DVDs, and it was interesting because I remember um our copy of Four Hundred Blows had had no stamps on it, and some old old man rented it once, and he was the first one to rent it, and Reed had it for like years. Oh, that's sad.
1: <laughs> take th- take that, Truffaut. The Four Hundred Blows is a good movie. Um. I- I I know you have that opinion. Considering we yeah. talked about it. Oh yeah, that's right. It was on my <laughs> list. Um All right. So House. Let's final uh, final thoughts. Any additional thoughts on House? I really liked it. I I enjoyed me my too. House experience a lot. Me too.
0: It made me it's feel. A, it made me feel really good. It's an enjoyable experience. Yeah. And it's um it's definitely. It, it, it's got a lot of those those film school esque motifs you'd see in a lot of people's attempted projects, experimental projects, but it's just done much better than any of those attempts. Would
1: what be. was everyone's favorite scene?
2: Uh,
0: everything. Like, it's it's legitimately everything <laughs> from when Kung Fu Ghost uh, gets attacked from the telephone until. Mm. Um, Oh yeah. Fantasy like curls up to gorgeous. Like everything in between that. I, mm-hmm. is like one singular kind of you know, Mandy-esque experience for me.
1: <laughs> Chris, favorite scene?
3: Um, I'm gonna kind of cheat and say just the Mr. Togo subplot of him <laughs> traveling to eventually end up a pile of bananas, just really who was
1: really the bananas? Of, with what, me. what was it about? <laughs> Who cares? I just, like bananas, a, bananas, 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 just,
0: that's that's such just
2: like a, bananas?
0: That's yeah. such like an Abrams Zucker Abrams joke, by the way, like, oh, this is making me go totally bananas. Hey, come pile <laughs> bananas. It just it, it was a lot to handle, but I liked
1: it. And I just love how that woman just like drives up to his car and like looks at him and she doesn't even she doesn't stop smiling at all. She just yeah, walks in just slow like... motion and the breeze just, <laughs> just gets that scarf. That's how she exists, man. I really liked the fingers playing the piano. Ooh, I thought yeah. that looked really cool. And that did look good. You very know how good. some of the um some of the body part stuff, like when the head bites fantasy on the ass. Um mm-hmm. or even just um you know, how they tr they didn't even try to make um melodies like body parts that were just like hovering over the piano when it was getting eaten, like look good so that you know it was just outlined in crayon and like craziness. Yeah. That finger thing was pretty convincing. Okay. Yeah. And it was it was yeah. it was kinda creepy and it was it was really cool, but it really sold like what the second half of it was. Because the second half of it wasn't as fun. I mean it was good. Um I liked it. But it wasn't mm-hmm. less just it wasn't steering just into the fun. Like yeah, the it, first wasn't like half it was like as zany. Was. Yes, it, zany is like the correct word. It was much less zany afterwards. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think I like the less zany parts than the. Than <laughs> I think I like the more traditionally horror moments than the zaniness that precedes it.
1: Yeah, it got really... it Once, um, once Kung Fu kicked that cat, Kung Fu's leg, disembodied leg, <laughs> kicked <laughs> that cat it got like decidedly like apocalyptic or kind yeah. of like you know it was like a hellscape everything was red and and then
0: prof you do like, you don't like a, a pool of cat's blood floating, floating on a pool of cat blood no i mean i do like it yeah well, it the
3: volume of which is much
0: higher than a cat's volume yeah. <laughs> listen man supernatural cats can give out pints oh, of all these cat
3: they can close doors. I've heard.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you, you gotta hope that that cat gets coronavirus so that it could give out just a bunch of plasma. Do cats get
3: the coronavirus? They
0: can. Yeah, they, they can. They oh can. shit! Yeah, so if you see no a cat run it. away,
3: yeah, I always do. But
0: <laughs> the appropriate response to cats.
1: Well, I have two cats. One of them threw up all over my bed today, so. <laughs> With a massive amount of blood that you then had to the float on. No, mm. no, I saw, I heard it. I was playing Mario Kart, and nice. then the cat was throwing up, and me and the kids were just like, "Cat throwing up," and I was like, "We got to race."
3: <laughs> <laughs> you, ha- you kept to your guns, and I appreciate and respect that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean at, t- at moments there are priorities, and your priorities were in the right place. Now. I gotta win. Mm-hmm. I
1: gotta win the Mushroom Cup. That's, who, that's what I gotta do.
3: Who are you racing as, Tom? Link? Mm, okay. I that's only, respectable.
1: I only use Link. I use the same car, the same like just standard issue race car, standard wheels, and then like the glider thing. A classic man. But Link is good because when he jumps he does like sword tricks and it makes me happy.
3: Oh, so, well, something you need.
1: Yeah. That's It's funny cuz I've have I I hurt my neck recently. I think I mentioned this to you, Mario. I put on a shirt you didn't tell me this, though. Oh, I, th- I thought I did. I thought I texted you. I put on a shirt, and I just couldn't use, like, the right side of my body. And uh, and it was um, – it prevented me from doing a lot of things. But now I think, like, now my neck, it's, like, recovering, but I'm having mm-hmm. all this, like, weird pain in, like, my shoulders and stuff from, you know, my neck being hurt. And it feels like what it would feel like to get the flu. But I'm just so huh. kind of like stressed out all the time. So that sensation coupled with my stress makes me think that I'm getting sick like constantly, but mm. not when I play video games. When I play video games, I forget all about my stress and my weird neck pain. <laughs> and then as soon as I stop, I'm just like, oh, I feel terrible. <laughs> I feel awful.
3: He's got a game him twenty four
1: seven, man. But that's why House <laughs> was good. That's why House is a good movie because when I was watching it, I was not thinking about
0: Just my forget neck Forget that shit. Yeah, you're su- you're suggesting House is almost a uh, therapeutic. Kind of, yeah, as as a sedative. I will tech. I will
1: tweet at the real Donald Trump tonight and be like, you know what's a cure? <laughs>
3: House. He'll he'll say it. He, he will tomorrow. say it.
0: Can we eject House into the bloodstream? I've heard. You could break up Blu-ray particles
3: and
1: shoot them at a person. Yeah. I've heard you it'll could clean you out in a minute. I've heard you could you could burn a, a a critical film essay and inject the ash of that right into your right into your veins, and it just clears clears you
3: out. It'll be fifty percent more pretentious by
1: the end. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so that is house. All right, so we will set a date for. Um, Sant and Tango, Chris, and you have to come back.
2: Come
1: you know, back for the seven and a half do, hour Hungarian We will do a seven movie. and a half hour podcast
0: on the seven and a half hour movie. Actually, we should we should limit our review to like five minutes. Ooh. We could only talk about it for five minutes. What did minutes? you think? It was okay. It was, <laughs> it was all hard. right. It was, you know, there's a part. The part was good. For
1: seven and a half hours, it was fine. <laughs> it was a day of my life. Well, that's, I mean, so we were going to do the, we were going to do the come and see to this week also. And we just kind of agreed that like, I I said, I was like, I just can't do come and see because Mm -hmm. it's, you know, two hours of ruining a kid's life. And I'm not sure I can go on a podcast and be like, what did you think of that two hour movie where they showed the complete mental and physical disintegration of a child and be like, it was fine. It was all right. It was, You know, it was good. <laughs>
0: it's a good movie. That kid suffered a lot, but it was, you know. <laughs> but, but I enjoyed it. It passed the time. It's also good. I think Come and See and Painted Bird are, are good companion. Like a good back to, like, we'll review both those movies in the same episode.
1: Oh, I'm not looking forward to that one. I am. I don't like kids. I just drink a lot for that one. Here's the thing, though, Mario. I don't know how I'm going to watch A Painted Bird. i got a house full of people. Like, I'm going to have to watch it on my Just like, tell them it's... Uh, I'm going to have to watch it in my garage. At just tell, them,
0: yeah. just tell them it's an important piece of cinema that they need to watch. Udo watch Ke- Come and See, Painted Bird, and then watch Night and Fog in between the two. It has a nice little uh, palate cleanser. Listen, guys. Udo Kier is in this. you got to watch it.
1: We all have to watch it together. All the Udo Kier movies. We all have to do it together. I
3: heard, I heard there's a, a spicy watch-along episode. Yeah. yeah I hear yeah. there's
0: a spicy Stellan Sarsgard in there.
1: Oh, jeez. Oh. What other kind of
0: Stellan Sarsgaard is
3: there, man?
1: I'm not ready. I'm not ready for That's that, man, Mario. I'm not ready. All right. I'm excited. Are you excited? I'm not excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. <sighs> I'm not excited. Anyway, all right. Chris, thank you for joining us today on our house. Thanks for joining. Thank us. you for episode. inviting me into
3: your house. This is my we son's Star Wars. This is Star, Star, Star Wars poster,
1: Return of the Jedi.
3: I have a Return of the Jedi poster, reminds us of Revenge of the oh. Jedi because I'm a classic man. Oh, okay,
1: yeah. This is this is
3: this is this is a window. I I,
1: I, want, <laughs> I want there to be the guy out there, where Lawrence Kasdan, just being like, "Can I come back? Can I come back?" Social distancing, Larry. You stay out there. Um,
3: does that chalkboard there. behind you say Deadly Bay? It does. It's the Deadly Bay. I love that.
1: It gets dark in here. All right, <laughs> uh, Chris, we will see you later. Thank you again for being on Pivotal Film this week. Thank you. Have a good rest of your quarter. Have a good Jane.
0: one,
3: Chris.
1: You too. All right, thank you again to Chris. Uh, for, for coming on and, and, and
0: sharing and, and, and sharing our house together. I have to say, having Chris on was, was not a mistake. Mistakes were not made there.
1: Mistakes were not made there, Mario. But there is, uh, on Disney Plus uh, this year, mistakes were made. And we are, of course, of course, talking about uh, Tom McCarthy, Academy Award winner, Tom McCarthy's new film, uh, Timmy Failure, Mistakes Were Made.
0: Finding the mobile is now our top priority.
3: He's fired up today.
2: I know. It's so exciting. I need
3: help. You always get me into trouble. Can I help you? Ambush! run, over.
1: Your life is big, original, weird.
2: Ah, 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 so cool.
1: If you love what you do, you got to fight for it.
0: Mother, I need more office space. My name is failure, Woo! Timmy failure, Go, Timmy! the name is misleading because I am anything but Run! I am only concerned with one thing, Turn greatness, mistakes were made. You ever think Tom McCarthy forgets he's an Oscar winner?
1: No, not for a day. I think he wakes up every day and he says,
0: I want an Oscar. I, I think it. every day he wakes up and goes, that should have been for the cobbler.
1: <laughs> Why do you like that movie?
0: I don't like that movie. I just love the fact they made the cobbler and Spotlight in the same year. It's, just, it's, it's the weirdest like duality of film. Like, everybody always says like, Schindler's Sist and Jurassic Park were made almost like back to back. And it's like, yeah, okay. That's, that's,
1: that's, you can, I can
0: see that. Those
1: are both mind blowers.
0: Yeah, they changed the game. Nobody sees magical Adam Sandler shoemaking and, you know, Boston pre-sex scandal in the same year. Are you sure they don't see them as the same thing
1: as Schindler's I in Jurassic Park? They're both pretty Massachusetts-y. That's, right? yeah, all right, yeah, there you go. Um, Mario Timmy Failure was a book written by Steve Pastis did your kids ever any of your any of your kids read this Mm-mm. so our, their first experience was uh with the movie, and they just you know we have the disney plus thank you and uh we turned it on the you know turned it on it's like oh, what's this movie um they have subsequently watched Timmy failure four times um I've only seen it all the way through once although I've seen like half of it um four times um Maybe I've seen half of it three times and they watched it four times, I don't remember, but they've seen it, they've they've seen it at least four times. Um, they think this movie is just tremendous. They think it's a great movie. And I actually think, um, of all the kids movies I've seen, and I'm making air quotes, and I, I maybe I shouldn't make air quotes and I will des- maybe it's like an underline or something, I'm not sure. Movies that are designated for kids, this is probably the best kids movie I've seen in a really, really, really long time.
0: Um, a, quick, a quick aside, really yes. quick. I never noticed that uh, uh, Stephen Pat- Pastis mm-hmm. is that his name, uh, did "Pearls Before Swine," which was uh, growing up my my favorite comic strip. Oh, I didn't know that
1: comics. I've never, I've never heard of that. It's it's
0: pretty good. It's pretty funny. Is that a West it's, it's, Coast it's a good, thing? It's a good. I don't know. It's a good. Uh, it's a good kind of fill in for Gary Lost hmm.
1: Interesting. Okay, I'll have to check it out. Um, Timmy Failure is. A kid, he lives in Portland with his, his mother. Um, he has a detective agency. He's his best friend and his and his his compatriot in his detective agency is a is a polar, imaginary polar bear named Total. Um, potentially imaginary. Potentially imaginary. He uh, he goes to school. He he has a teacher named Frederick Crocus played by wallace sean and it was a great wallace sean performance um and he's just he's just not like all the other kids mario he's just different um a lot of things happen to him his his mother's segue gets stolen that she wanted a church bingo night uh her mother starts dating uh crispin uh who is a is a meter maid in the in the Portland traffic whatever. Um, you know, he subsequently has to give up his agency, his detective agency, because his mother has to move, because she lost her job, because Timmy keeps messing up at school with all of his crazy Timminess and he's getting suspended, so he's gotta stay home for three days and and all this other stuff. And it's just um It's just tough to be Timmy Failure. Mistakes were made, Mario, and and until the end of the movie, they were never made by Timmy. They were always made by other people. Um, We've kind of texted a little bit back and forth about Timmy Failure this this afternoon. What were your Timmy Failure thoughts? You don't have any kids, so you have no stakes in whether or not this movie is good or not. The unencumbered by kids opinion of Timmy failure Mario go
0: what what I said uh, is it, it was it's it feels very reminiscent of the 90s um, kids films for me it doesn't feel this necessitation to be has grounded um, in in kind of like adult logic that that children's kids movies kind of feel like they need to mm-hmm. well and and when it and the kind of the kids movies of uh, uh, more recent kids movies when they kind of do that they do so more with kind of um a slight meanness to them or aloofness to kind of a maturity that a child Mm -hmm. could have whereas something like i don't know this kept reminding me of like james and the giant peach and uh matilda and even a a terrible movie but a movie that at least was somewhat respectful of of kids in general like north (laughs) like bad movie but Mm -hmm. north like, oh, yeah,
1: um, yeah, yeah. The Elijah yeah. Wood, Rob Reiner movie.
0: Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, you know, it, 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 like of those higher quality um, children's films of the 90s, something, you know, like the Matilda, James and Giant Peach, or even, you know, not to the, the degree, but like Nicholas Rogues' uh, The Witches. Like it felt had that kind of like real feeling to it uh, of not just kind of a respect for kind of a kid's point of view, even though Timmy doesn't always almost never feels like a real lived in kid, but the humor at least kind of is at a level that can be both respected by like a child and an adult. And it's it's something that doesn't punch down to a kid. Nope. And and I like that a lot. And and it deals with like real kind of like emotional ass, like a real emotional kind of affect of things. Like when it's kind of unfortunate that like he's portrayed off this of like this caricature, but Winslow uh, Fagley has, has Timmy, um, like when he like he has great comedic timing when he has to like nail an emotional moment the kid does it like when mm-hmm. he says affirmative and his mom like looks at like after she's like torn everything down um, and he says like yes you know instead of saying affirmative like yeah. he nails the shit out of that line yeah he's really good I think
1: one of the problems uh, uh, there's a, a couple of problems I have with this movie and they're not major problems but one of them is the fact that like Timmy Timmy never kind of right. Ry- he very occasionally, but it's only for these very brief moments, rises above this weird kind of Nate the Great esque caricature of like a child detective. Like he What's never. Nate the, Great? Nate the Great's a, a kid's book when he's. Nate the Great is a detective and he just solves crimes or mysteries, as it were. Um, but he also never becomes, he's never a kid like he just always is a detective. And even when he's doing irrational kid things, he never does them with a kid's sensibility. Really? Um, it always stays this kind of, um, it is pouring. Is it pouring in, in New Haven? It's pouring here. yeah. Yeah. It's pouring. Jesus. Um, so Timmy is a kind of the same way where he always, he's always on like 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He is a detective. um, and it's only a couple of times, like in that one moment, in that one great moment where you know they're on the bus, going to the the power plant, and and Wallace Shawn is as is, is Mr. Crocus, like you know, who tells him like if one you step out of line at all, you know, what I mean, you're suspended. He goes capiche, and he goes what is capiche? And he's like understand. And he's like I capiche you. You know what I mean? It's like this. There's a, these brief moments of of Timmy the actual kid just kind of reaching out. But on top of that, there's a great like metaphor underneath it all. Like the idea of the agency, you know I mean? It's not just like his detective agency. It's his own like personal agency. It's the idea, the, the, the need to be himself, where everyone 's telling him to be normal, be normal, be normal he 's like i have to main, I have to keep my agency, and he has that great conversation with Craig Robinson, who I actually think is really good in this, who if we if yeah we, he's great he's really
0: good at, he's Like I, I would have never expected that from Craig Robinson
1: no me neither, and if we stopped i Honestly, if movies stopped coming out and we did our, our you know, our Pivotal Film Awards, you know, in, in February and this is it. Craig Robinson's on my list for supporting actor because he's really, really good at this. Um, and there's also, I just haven't seen that many movies. So, <laughs> but regardless, they have that great conversation about, about agency and they're talking about his detective agency, but it's really just like a personal agency thing. And that is, all of that stuff is very clear without kind of having to strip the metaphor bare and have him being like my agency is like me is like my personality and i have to be myself and all this other stuff it's really it's a pretty high level children's movie um and that they don't just they don't sink down and just like beat you to death with all of this kind of you know exp- exposition that explains what the hell they've been talking about the whole time and there's some great lines and there's some great performances and it's, there's a polar bear. You know, Timmy drives into a house, which I wish was real. You had lightning behind lost. you. You had yeah, lightning. That's, that's, yeah. I saw that. That's,
0: that's Kazdan. He's he's trying to do his remake of Cape Fear as we speak.
1: Oh, that's not going to go well. That is not going to go well. He's going to get Robert De Niro to
0: perform <laughs> it again. <laughs> but he's going to be the Nick Nolte character. Oh,
1: man. That would be bad.
0: He somehow would find Judge Reinhold to get him to play the uh, Max Katie character. Um, I don't think Judge Reinhold could do that. I have a a weird opinion on this. Before we get into like, the last bit of analysis on this film, or last bit of discussion, just because I, I, this, this maybe would inform where I was going with this. Um, and I want to hear your, your, your opinions or take from it as, as a father. Um, but more so as somebody watching movie. Is there there's a big undercurrent about class in this film in the sense of everyone just completely outside of craig robinson's character and to extent uh kyle bernheimer's um character just kind of like even even while sean's character you know like like pushes him to the side but everyone's pushing him to the side and everyone is some from some level of affluence Mm -hmm. um rollo his parents are really concerned with getting him to stanford they can afford um, you know his fencing classes, and to really have an invested moment in terms of of his eventual success. They're planning it from sixth grade. Um, uh, I forgot her the, the the Russian girl who might be his crush. Oh yeah, um, yeah. The the faceless or nameless one. Uh, she's well to do, mm-hmm. notably. Um, and you know, Timmy comes from this single parent household. Who's struggling financially with his mom constantly working, and so that always would play one hundred percent into his his behavioral problems, and nobody seems to give like a real shit that that's probably playing into his behavioral problems, and nobody ever really tries to, like outside of you know Craig Robinson's counselor tries to like dig into that. And it's I just find that interesting. I, I find this like kind of take on like the this. Not one necessarily called anti-capitalist because it's not, but like just setting itself. And I don't know if like the original book was set in Portland, but setting itself in Portland kind of as like beacon of counterculture. Mm-hmm. Um, these moments to establish its its counterculture ness um, with with focusing in on some of like the verbiage that that, that is prevalent yeah. throughout Portland. Like, I kind of like that's like one thing I really appreciated about this film was like how heavily it dug into this. Like, like this kid has problems like he has problems because like nobody's addressing the fact that these problems are very real and very out of his control and the only thing he's trying to do is like get some grasp of control over his life that like is being denied mm-hmm. him constantly well the Portland thing I think is more is
1: I think that's all there but I also think it has more to do with the fact that supposedly importantly Portland you can be whoever you want you know what I mean Portland's like the city of weirdos but apparently Timmy failure
0: is too weird even for Portland no, you um, can't be a good donut shop, because Voodoo Donuts is fucking garbage. I've never had a Voodoo Donut. You are lucky. I, to, I love donuts, and they are gross. You ever go to Neal's Donuts in Wallingford? I have not been to Neal's yet. I go you gotta, to gotta go to Neil's Donut. I go to Whitney's Donuts all the time.
1: You gotta go to Neal's. They they do a curbside pickup. Oh, do they? They their donuts are. They have vegan donuts for all of our vegan listeners. Oh, I thought you were gonna say for me, and I was like, I would
0: not. I wouldn't pass. I would just get the regular donuts.
1: So but Neil's is great. Neil's is the best. We just went there the other day. Um, what time do they open? Six o'clock in the morning. What days? Seven days
0: a week. I might get I might get some I might get some donuts tomorrow.
1: Get some Neil's donuts. You can call or you can they have a five customer limit. Um but the last time when I was there, there wasn't five customers, so I went in. And they have like little X's marked off where you know they want you to stand and stuff like that. So everyone's wearing masks. Um, so it's good. So you don't feel like you're doing something wrong by going to get the donuts when you're supposed to be staying home.
0: Um, I I've been really fucking craving donuts. It was good. It was good. I might wake up at six o'clock in the morning tomorrow or five thirty. Get some donuts. Go back to bed. Be, wake up. Um, eat is, the donuts. This is making me. This is making me really excited for tomorrow now. <laughs> I might not go to bed. I might just stay awake, watch some Criterion movies, and eat a dozen donuts. <laughs> just walk in there, just like hopped up on coffee, be like, donuts!" My roommate will look at me and be like, "Can I?" Have-? And I'm like, and throw them across the room. I wouldn't be this excited for fucking Voodoo Donuts, though. No, these Neil's donuts. When are I good. saw Voodoo Donuts in the movie, and, and like you know, like they, they make that reference to Voodoo uh-huh. Donuts, I was like, um, with the I think it's the polar bear that eats mm-hmm. that goes deep. Pol- I'm like, well, oh, that poor polar bear. So you have to experience that shitty donut, but no, like the
1: class thing I think is really interesting though, because, um, I definitely think that, and I think that's all part of it too, that he's, they're definitely setting Timmy apart. He is definitely like a second class person, second class. He's second tier. He's a, a steerage, you know, passenger type person. Um, and he's really
0: kind of the. He's oh, a real. He's a real Jack, not a rose.
1: He's a Jack, not a rose. He's not a Billy Zane. He's not a Billy no. Zane at all.
0: No, none of us are Billy Zanes. <laughs>
1: um, but you you notice that I would be interested to ask my kids if they notice that like Timmy's having a much harder time, not with school. I think that's where I really kind of like this movie, and I don't know if I had it articulated in my head until you mentioned it. His hard time is not just with school, and it's not just with making friends, and it's not just with, um, you know, all these other ancillary things that being a kid kind of makes you confront on a day-to-day basis. I mean, he's having a lot of problems at home because his mom is having a lot of problems at home, not because she's not trying, not because she's not doing the right things, but because she is trying to make the best life she can for herself and for... For him. I think Portland from that perspective is a really interesting place to set this movie because it's supposed to be this kind of, you know, haven of individuality. Um and they're both I mean, his mom's his mom's even
0: like pretty
1: tatted up and everything. Yeah,
0: she's her hair
1: is all colored and stuff like that. She's she's you know, actively dating and, and what have you, and Timmy has a lot of responsibility like on his own. Um But no one's no one's calling her out on anything. And not that I'm saying she should be held responsible for stuff, but these are all things that go into maybe life, and maybe the movie is essentially saying that life in Portland is uh, is maybe even more complicated than it is in a lot of other places because you have to be both a good parent and a weirdo. And can you be a good parent and a weirdo? Could you be a good student and a weirdo? Because like the good students, you know. Are Russians? They're Russian. They're 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 working for them. You know what I mean? They're hiding. They're hiding listening and devices and hipsters. cookies. Our hipsters and or, or hipsters or they're. By the, by the
0: way, yeah. Go ahead. Really quickly, I just love that this audio is going to pick up your cat. It's going to be great.
1: He is super mad because it is ten forty nine right now, and he wants his wet food. He wants it right now.
0: Okay.
1: And if we weren't doing this, he would just be sitting on the arm of a chair, just meowing my face. Being like, feed me, <laughs> fucking cat, <Shut> <laughs> Fooey, be quiet, <laughs> be qui- <laughs> stupid cat. Um, but yeah, it's really, it's 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 interesting. It's really, really, it's it's an it's a weirdly interesting movie. Is it Tom McCarthy's? Is it better than Spotlight? I don't know. There's an argument that you can make that this is like a. Uh, Works a lot better. Uh, works on a lot more levels than Spotlight does. Spotlight's
0: um, sadder. Spotlight is really sad. But I don't like Spotlight, so I can't really comment. I like. Here's, we talked the, about that when it came out. I did not like Spotlight. Here's the thing about Spotlight,
1: though. I like watching Spotlight because I think it satisfies a lot of like cable movie urges that I used to have when there was such a thing as watching a movie on cable, you know what I mean? Where you'd be flipping through and TBS would be playing Spotlight and be like, okay, cool. I can do some stuff while Spotlight's on. And then you can look up every once in a while and, you know, see a cool Mark Ruffalo thing or get a good Billy Crudup up thing or Michael Keaton's there or what have you. Um but when you watch Spotlight, you're just kind of like, well that's that's it. That's all that there is. There's not a lot else going on here. I mean, there is subject matter wise, but you can't have a movie. A movie can't be good just because it tackles like an important subject matter. Like it's got to be got to do the other things better too.
0: My functional problem with Spotlight was that it wasn't doing enough as a film in order to be impressive. It it reminded me so much. Of things like the, the George Clooney failsafe or the 90s Showtime adaptation of 12 Angry Men or um, the Tommy Lee Jones and Samuel L. Jackson uh, Sunset uh, sunset Limited, where it, oh, it yeah. feels like a really solid um, premium channel film. Like, yeah, made yeah for yeah, a premium yeah. channel, like a real solid, like, certain Emmy That's Golden Globe saying. winner for yeah, those. Yeah. But it does not do anything, has a film like. For, like I've always said, like best pictures for me have to like work on so many different levels. And Spotlight works in terms of being an okay screenplay with good acting, but nothing else about that film well, is I remember revolutionary. I a, right? I took a class. I think we even
1: talked about this maybe on the podcast. We definitely talked about it in real life. I took a class when I was at Yukon on journalism in the movies. Remember we had this conversation? Like it was I had to watch fucking broadcast news. I don't understand what anyone sees in broadcast news. Broadcast news is terrible, but anyway, i had to watch broadcast news. But we had to watch Spotlight. I said in my in like the essay that I had to write about Spotlight, a movie that goes to the same narrative well three times is not working on on like a high level. So the fact that like Michael Keaton goes to see Billy Crudup. Three times and gets roughly the same and like the same but like varying information, but with the same level of drama each time he goes to see him is not succeeding. Like that's not a good dramatic film. That's a documentary. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where you're trying to catch somebody out in a lie. Um, but each time they go see Billy Crudup, you know what the answer to whatever question Michael Keaton's going to ask Billy Crudup is because they have the documentation that says like, Oh, he knew about this. And then they're like, Oh, well you said you, you know about this. He's like, well, I can't really say blah, 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 blah. They do that every single time.
0: That's not doing any germ. That's not doing any real work. That's just, yeah. and and my thing is too, like, it's it's it it, it works like the, it works kind of like like a documentary like aspect or, or kind of like that ensemble piece and it's just it's like that's just a crazy year like you look at you know like you look at spotlight and go like yeah that does their best picture and then you look at revenant mad Max, brooklyn carol um can you hear me so yeah okay you're froze so that's why mad uh brooklyn carol and um sicario and go like but those those no those don't deserve it like spotlight might be doing the same amount of work as those films i would disagree on some level for a lot of those um, in terms of character performances and uh, worksman's like our journeyman's screenplay uh, but in terms of every other layer of what a film has to do like spotlight's not doing any of the work that those films no. are
1: doing i mean when you can compare- when you compare, so I just hate Spotlight. Right. When you compare Best reason. Picture winners, I'm going to take Spotlight over Green Book. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to take Spotlight oh, yeah. over The Artist. I'm going to take Spotlight over, you know... The Shape of Water. Shape of Water. I'm going to take Spotlight over Crash. What, whatever. But And Spotlight is is fine as what it is. Actually, you know what's a really good comparison to Spotlight is something like Shattered Glass, where Shattered Glass is asking all these really interesting questions, and then it's got like these really interesting performances on top of it. Um... That kind of, like, separate it from Shattered Glasses. It's, it's not the same kind of just, like, this is what happened procedural. It's 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 building characters. And Spotlight doesn't ever stop to build a character. It's just like, well, Mark Ruffalo doesn't like this. And Rachel McAdams has a grandma. So bad. Right? And then everyone's yeah. like, yeah, it is bad. And, then it's like, and, oh, and okay. Shattered...
0: And Shattered Glass does something more interesting in the fact of like even its presentation of the imagined scenarios that Hayden Christensen kind of painted. You know, it does kind of like that, um, that, that thin, that's the movie I just watched today, like that, that Earl Morris, uh, thin blue line or imposter style kind of overlays of a, of a, um, ensemble kind of, um, biodrama mixed with these kind of imagined moments that are kind of supposed to be reflections. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, of one character's perspective. Yep. Um, like Spotlight doesn't do that at all. Yep. It's just like, is like through the numbers. Like, I was okay with it winning screenplay. I had no problem with it winning screenplay. But like, I just, I don't see how you see that and go like, best picture is supposed to encapsulate everything. And like, you know, it,
1: Listen, Mario. It's, it's not. The King's not speech best. won a couple years earlier. So.
0: Well, yeah, not, that's something I disagree with too. You uh, know, But in terms of his best work, um, I don't know. I, uh, I think I think I might still go station agent over Timmy Failure. I really like. Station oh yeah, station, agent station still. agent's good. Yeah, I would say this though. Timmy Failure made me realize how much Encyclopedia Brown, the Donald Sobel books that I loved as a kid, <laughs> how much I fucking hate Encyclopedia Brown now as an adult encyclopedia because... Brown's just encyclopedia Brown makes me want to make the sounds your cat's making right now
1: oh just, the visitor too I liked the visitor
0: when I saw it uh the visitor being the Richard Jenkins film, yeah, is that twenty fifteen no, but it's Tom McCarthy oh was that Tom McCarthy yeah, like space printer but that um yeah that's a good that was a good one too um I also forget he co wrote up uh but but no, like this is—it's this is a solid film. Like, like performances all around. Like this is this is one of the better, very directly kids movies. Yeah, I've seen in quite a while. But it, while that's, that's it, not trying to like do any sort of—I don't think it's—it's—it's it's, it's not trying to appeal itself to to parents as well. It's not trying to do that Pixar style like all audiences like what a lot of animated films are trying to do now. It's it's one hundred percent geared for children. Yep, but still well enough made and surrounded by enough performances um, solid enough performances that it, it is not an unentertaining film mm-hmm. for kids I mean I gotta say like even when he said when that kid said yes like I teared up a bit during that or like when you know the mom mentions like that she's not normal and that she makes mistakes they both talk about making mistakes like that those those those, those when the emotional moments have to like land they land well when and that's that's impressive for the whole
1: last book. speech about about The polar bear, like polar bears are, you know, can be this, but they're also, you know, they're also good friends and they're loyal and all this other stuff. You're just like, ah, he's talking about himself and he doesn't even really know it, but everyone else kind of knows it. But they're also not saying directly, they don't have, you know, the mom look at her boyfriend who just like happened to walk up next to her and be like, he's talking about himself. They're like, no, I'm just going to let it hang out there. And, you know, if the kid gets it, they get it. And if they don't get it, well, then, like, it's still, like, a good speech.
0: Um, and at the very least, like, I think a kid, even if they don't necessarily get it, has enough emotional maturity to kind of, like, relate to it. Like, go like, oh, that is how we all are. And that's why he says, like, that's it, the, the way, the best way it holds your hand on that is when he says, and I think all animals are are like that. Right. You know? Right, but it's
1: not it's just not explicit. It's good it's good. Timmy failure is good. If you have Disney Plus, you should definitely check it check out only, Timmy failure mistakes were made.
0: Only thing I wish they could have done is uh do a little um Henry Cavill digital removal of the added on Kyle Bornheimer soul oh, patch. What is that man, soul patch about? That the entire time I was like, I know we're supposed to make him look kind of like a geek, but like that's too much. Like I am just ready for him to be like masturbating to some weird body pillow well, the soul... at some part of this movie. Here's the thing about the soul patch. If you have no other facial hair, the
1: soul patch just looks like you have a black square in the middle of your face. Like, because it doesn't, you can't, there's no, like, hair definition. You just have a, a, a
0: rotten piece right under your mouth. Yeah, that just, and it, it was so, like, soul patch to me usually, like, like interprets like, not interprets, but soul that's usually is like this like ne'er-do-well carefree attitude of like not finishing your 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 cutting, just like the neck beard sort of is. um but like that was so square mm. and it colored so like it so obviously was not i I feel it so very clearly just fake hair. I think that Cal Bernhard flapped on every like the Tom take. McCarthy just
1: walked up to him every day and just like stuck to his face and he's like why are you doing that
0: yeah stop it man and he's like um, I want an Oscar but like uh, the color is different than everything else and it's so perfectly squared you're like oh that's a choice like this man this uh this character who's, who's like supposed to be a you know you like uh, it was like what's his name what's the character's name I can't remember the character's name now Crispin Crispin yeah I wanted to say Casbian um we have <laughs> other kids movies there um you know, like, he's, he's such a good guy, but he makes that choice. And I don't know if I can judge. I, I think I have to judge him on that choice.
1: Yeah, that should have been a requirement, like, for the mom to keep seeing him later. Like, when they, like, made eyes at each other across the field. And he's just, like, shrugs. She should have been, like, pointing to his trim strap and been, like, thumbs down. Or his soul patch. Yeah. Get rid of it. Had, like, one of these gestures. Like, a get rid of it gesture. Or I'm going to slit your throat gesture type of thing. Like pointed to the soul patch and was like, slit your and "That's not
0: that's not even a hipster thing."
1: No, that's you shouldn't have thing. one of those. Get it out of there.
0: I think I think the thing to take from this episode is is if you have a soul patch during quarantine, get get rid of it. Uh, yeah, I mean that's uh, you sh- you should be ex- you should be experimenting with facial hair anyway during the quarantine. You gotta have anywhere to go. Yeah, no, you can experiment. But the soul patch is the one, dude. I, I you can know what I'm saying. You if you've been at... hanging
1: on to your soul patch for like a number of years, just kind of, you know. Oh, because you think it's cool. Like now is the time to like look at your face without a soul patch.
0: But if you if you've grown a soul patch during quarantine, realize it's not working. Who grew a soul patch during quarantine? Who spent nobody I know, but I'm sure somebody out there
1: who spent all those hours like trimming around their mouth, just being like, I mean, where else, else are we gonna go? That's true. That's true. I now. say
0: this as somebody who, during high school, had the chin patch. Remember those during the early '90s when those were popular? Yeah. The chin, the specific chin patch.
1: Just like, I, just right here, no up yeah. at all, just right here. Yeah.
0: That makes good radio. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just on the, just on the, on the cleft of the chin. Yeah. Yeah, I had one of those. I had so one of those. So take it from a person who experimented with terrible facial hair. The soul patch is not working. This the is- pencil mustache. The, the, the Vincent Price, John Waters mustache, it could work. It's possible. It works for some people. The soul patch is not working for you, you and get rid of it. Well, I think the
1: Vincent Price pencil mustache inspires an emotion in people. Soul patch doesn't. It just makes me want to dismiss you as a person.
0: Yeah. I don't soul even have to, I don't me have, to a...
1: have an emotion about you because you have a soul patch.
0: The soul patch is, is is sort of the real life version of the White Christmas episode for Black Mirror, where John Hamm can't see. Spoilers for White Mirror: John Hamm can't see anybody's faces because he's like a sexual deviant. Like that's that's what you become. I can't see you 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 as a human being. So that was you an... see, I for social distance safety, get rid of the soul patch because if you're outside, I might accidentally bump into you. Listen, but because I don't see a person there. But. If you are one of our listeners that has a soul
1: patch, please keep listening to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
0: there are so few of you. We need maybe, all the different facial hairs. Depends on the episode. Some episodes were landing.
1: Some episodes were landing. Anyway, all right. So we are we gonna atta- we're gonna do it this, next this week? Is a, this, wait,
0: what? What? We gonna- I was about ready to bring up the sight and sound list. Okay, go ahead. Because because this is how we're ending. Wait, where, are we gonna do what? I was, no, you I was go first. You, you, say. you go first. Are we gonna do what though? You said you said. Are we gonna do it?
1: I was gonna say. Are we gonna do a list episode next week?
0: Oh, um, I thought you didn't have the time for a list episode yet.
1: I could do. I could do one extra move. I could probably figure it out. yet. Yeah. Well,
0: we talked about because we're going to talk about um, the next week. I think our our new movie discussion we planned on was. Um, why Am I forgetting the name of that movie now? 'Cause I sent you a thousand texts today. Half of it? Yeah, the half of it, which won the Tribeca Film Festival and it's coming out came out yesterday on Netflix. Um I think that's gonna be our, our new film review. If you want to try a list episode, I'm I'm willing to jump back on. Next thing. week might be a good episode to do a list episode
1: because I if I don't have time to watch my movie, I don't have to watch my movie. Because it's just okay. one of those movies that I know by heart.
0: So yeah. And my movie is pretty, pretty. pretty, It makes a pretty, makes a watch that you don't necessarily have to be fully paying attention to the entire time. You should because it's great, but you don't have to. Well, it's just one of those things where I can justify the new movie,
1: like from a like me and my wife watching it together thing. And then I, if I don't get to my movie, I'm fine because I can recite it by heart and. I can, so I can just like do a refresher on your movie. So I can probably do that. You've seen my movie, right? I've seen it. I could do it, but I would definitely want to, it's been, I went through a Western phase when I was going through my criterion phase. I forget which studio released it. The once upon a time in the West, um, double disc reissue. Um, I went through a heavy, heavy, heavy Western phase. So I was watching your movie, that movie, um, some of the Eastwood stuff, like just in, just in rotation. That was a
0: that was that was a solid Paramount release, by the way.
1: Okay, there you go, Paramount. Shout out yeah. to Paramount.
0: So let's. I am. Let's. I check. am. I am. I'm letting you know right now, and it's. I saw your movie. Um, at a, a movie. This is when I was started like watch as many movies as possible. Like that was one of the first years where I'd see like the dozens upon dozens of movies, so I could make an actual good film award. I saw it at a. Casino movie theater and hated every moment of it. So it'll be interesting to see if the, the year, the decade, the decade plus has been, has, has changed, has, has evolved my opinion on it.
1: Well, so we're going to be. I hated that movie. We're going to be inter- we're, So going back into our list movies, Mario, we're going to be doing an interesting thing because we've been kind of confronting movies just on their movie ness. You know what I mean? For the last, how, I don't know how many weeks we've been doing this for. Six? I believe we didn't it's do, been... We 13, didn't do a movie... I think it's 13 years. Forever. Yeah. I think it's been forever. Um, so now we're moving into the thing. So my, I I vividly remember this. Because it's one of the movies that... We just kind of talked about Spotlight. Where I just kind of... i am willing to watch it under every circumstance. Um, it, I... My notes on that movie that I made, like the first notes when we, when I first put together this list and we first started doing this, and I was just watching it and I was like, oh, I'm going to watch it, and because I'm watching it, I'm going to make some notes, are all negative notes. Like, why did he do this? What's the point of this? Why the hell is he doing this? But through all that stuff, um, I'm there's there's a lot of personal narrative things attached to my twenty nine. Well, it's
0: funny is. So I'm gonna like, for whatever your problems my, are,
1: I'm going to like I'm going to like support your problems.
0: So it's interesting because some of my problems are not just a narrative problem or a film problem. Some of my problems are just like hating the subject. Oh, see, it.
1: that's interesting.
0: Um, what's funny though is is I can tell you right now, it will still be five movies before I get to a film where I could where it's it's not a film I respect for any level beyond it like. I love the shit. It's so personally important to me because of how much I love the moviness of it. In on your list, yeah, it would take to number twenty five to get to a movie where I couldn't respond to the not just moviness of it. Hmm. Um, I don't. I would say. I would say the other. Uh, I will spoil slightly. What we're we'll be talking about next week? The other Peck and paw on My list uh, is uh, maybe the closest one I get to because like it's it's the first film I encountered with real visceral personal violence
2: mm-hmm.
0: like it maybe opened up the door for my like Hanneke experience that had become a big part of my college years mm. um, but Wild, Wild Bunch obviously we'll be talking about that next week uh, it's just a movie that I mean the other Sam Peckinpah Western I don't, I don't think people are going to be like oh god next week are we going to be talking about The Getaway <laughs> um, which is a movie I don't like uh, but like I can talk about Wild Bunch endlessly just because of how much I love it, has a piece of cinema. So. Yeah, we'll get there. All right, yeah.
1: it'll be good to do
0: a. It'll be good to do a list movie. Yeah, and I'll, then we'll be talking the half of it as well, which uh, one that as of yesterday I believe won the uh, Tribeca Film Festival's Best Picture. So it's good to be relevant, Tom. It's yeah. always good to be relevant.
1: We are. We are nothing if not relevant. That is very true. Yes.
0: You know what is relevant during these hard times, too, Tom? No, what is it? It's getting to your liquor store.
1: I don't go to liquor stores. I just go to New England Brewing Company. Uh, what do you get there? I just I'm drinking I'm drinking a dose, Mario. Oh, Sega Source is re-releasing tomorrow. I'm gonna try to order, and Double Fuzzies. So, yeah, I was thinking about getting it, but I was like, nah, I don't feel like driving. It's right down the street from me.
0: Yeah, if I lived where you lived, it would be that. But driving is. I don't drive anymore, so driving seems like a lot of effort nowadays. But what do you drive? You drive to get to get yourself some delicious substances, and then is, you get where go is, back. Where's this going? I'm leading you to to the to the closeout. Oh yeah, but we forgot to mention the uh, the Twitter and all that. <laughs> you, you <know>. Yeah. Delicious <laughs> substances, so you could come back to your house, <laughs> think about where we talked about. Yeah. You could tweet us about it. Yep.
1: At Film Pivotal. Or, or you can send us an email at PivotalfilmPodcast at gmail.com or you can go to pivotalfilm.com, which I've not updated in a while, and see a list of the movies um on our list, or the list of the beers that we drink or how to subscribe, or how to get to oh. the Twitter. If you don't if you're not sure how to get to Twitter, you know, this this will give you a, a link to do that. Um but yeah. So
0: next week, Mario, we're back. We're back to normal. Well, except for the fact that we'll stutter every 10 minutes. (laughs) Except for... Oh! One of us will actually... Interesting. How are we going to organize that? What? The beer.
1: Oh, I don't know. Maybe you will have to go.
0: I guess I I might have to go to New
1: England Brewing to get get some beer. We'll we'll both try to get both of them. And then... (laughs) Or I'll try to get both of them because you have a job. And then we'll just drink whatever you get. Oh, yeah, if I, yeah, we, we can try this. Or you can get, I don't know, well, see, I don't really want a growler in my house. Like, because they're doing growlers too, but I ha- they don't really do use growlers, so I don't know if I want to take on a growler.
0: Yeah. At I mean, worst, we just end up having to do two different beers.
1: At, yeah, that's not the end of the world.
0: Yeah. Or we, we can will just adjust. We'll adjust.
1: Everyone else is adjusting, we can adjust too. Yeah. All right. New normal. New normal. New normal. That's the, that's the new motto for the podcast. Yep. Pivotal film, the new normal. Um, all right. So uh, until then, drink a beer, whatever beer you want. See a movie, and we'll talk to you next week.